Okay, good afternoon. Okay, we'll look at John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Okay, uh, title of the sermon, Water into Wine, John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you. Your constant, unchanging grace in our lives. We thank you that we can be here uh, to worship, to um, sit at the feet of your word. Speak to us, bless this time, encourage our hearts, uh, strengthen our church, help us to love you and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, um, just to save time, I'll go through the text again, through the sermon, throughout the sermon, instead of reading it in the beginning. Um, but uh, So chapter 2 in John, starting from chapter 2, it kind of begins this uh, section in the Gospels, which is called the, um, the, it's called the, the Book of Signs. From chapter 2 to chapter 12, it's called the Book of Signs because Jesus reveals his glory through miracles. There are several miracles recorded in this, in this section. And um, so this is a, a famous passage of Jesus turning water into wine, therefore the creative title, Water into Wine. And uh, this passage, it ends by saying, Jesus manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. And if you've been listening to these sermons so far in John, that sounds very familiar, right? John follows that same theme that he already laid out in chapter 1 when he said, we have seen his glory. So he's showing us through this account just one incident when Jesus showed his glory and they believed in him. And he's saying this so that, again, we can believe in him. Look at what Jesus did. Jesus actually did this miracle and showed his glory to his disciples. Look at what he did, and he and he tells that account so that we can believe in Jesus. Okay, so we'll talk we'll talk about this miracle. First, my hour has not yet come. I have three points. First one is, my hour has not yet come. Verse one: On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. So the setting for this miracle. Is a wedding, a wedding that Jesus was invited to. Weddings in the ancient world were different in many ways from the weddings that we know in our culture. It's not, it wasn't just a, a few hour event. Many of you, when you go to a wedding and then the reception, you feel like, oh man, when's this going to end? I've been here for three hours already. It wasn't a few hour event as it is in our culture. Weddings and the celebrations of the wedding ceremony and the celebrations could last even up to a full week at that time. And in our culture, um, at weddings, the bride is the center of attention, right? It's very bride-focused. The groom typically just stands there. No one really cares about the groom's hair or what he's wearing. But when the bride walks in, right, that's when the music changes. Right? People stand. Everyone turns their heads to focus on her. But actually, it was the opposite in, the, in, this, in this culture, in the ancient culture. The groom was the one that entered, and it was the bride that waited 
for the bridegroom. Verse 3, when the wine, wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Uh, in that culture as well, the groom was responsible for the cost of the wedding. And because this was such an important occasion, important event, there could actually be legal action against the groom for running out of wine. Not to mention the terrible embarrassment that he would have to go through if something like that happened. So the fact that Jesus uh, and his mother were both at this wedding ceremony celebration likely means that it was a wedding of a close family friend or a relative. So it's possible that Jesus' mother has some sort of organizing responsibilities here. And that probably explains why when the wine runs out, she takes the initiative and comes to Jesus. They have no wine. Verse 4. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Jesus seems to deny her request, right? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Um, Jesus initially seems to deny this request, but then he ends up doing something about it anyway. What is Jesus revealing here? The word hour, when he says, my hour has not yet come, the word hour, or some of your translations might say time, my time has not yet come, the hour refers to God's appointed time for Jesus to go to the cross as the sacrificial lamb of God. That's what he means when he says, my hour has not yet come. It's kind of like this. like When you go to a wedding, what do you think about? Most people at some point during that event are probably thinking about their own wedding. The wedding that, that they had in the past or, or the wedding uh, hopefully to come in the future or maybe for some people like the wedding of their children. Right? At some point during the day, they're probably thinking about your own wedding and I think that's what's happening here. Jesus um, sometimes refers to the final celebration at the end of the messianic age as a wedding banquet. But to get there, he must first go to the cross. So Jesus uses these words, my hour has not yet come, because that's what he's thinking about. The final wedding banquet, and to get there, the cross. And so through these words, Jesus foreshadows God's purpose for why he came to this earth to die for sinners on the cross at the appointed hour. My hour has not yet come. Secondly, a new purification. Verse 6, Now there were six stone jars, water jars, there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. So these stone jars were there that were used for purification, purification rituals under the Jewish law. It says each holding 20 or 30 gallons, which means it was a, a whole lot of water. Verse 7, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. They filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. 
So they were supposed to use these, use the, the, the water in these jars for purification. But all the water th that was there, all that water was useless at the wedding party. And that's reflective of the spiritual reality because no amount of purification rituals could actually accomplish the cleansing of souls. No matter how many rituals you perform, sins, stains would still remain. Okay? But now somewhere in this process, right, of the servants filling the jars, drawing it out, taking it to the master of the feast, somewhere in there, Jesus turned the water into wine. The symbolism of wine was abundant. It is abundant in the Old Testament. For example, in Amos chapter 9, verse 13 and 14, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. The mountains shall drip, drip sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I'll restore the fortunes of my people Israel. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine. So wine is connected to this, this time of the Messiah when grace, when joy are promised to flow and overflow in abundance. So if you, if you understand what, like, so what's going on here is Jesus is basically taking this opportunity that comes with this situation of wine running out to turn this into a living parable. The miracle is a sign. It points to a greater reality. And Jesus is saying, the bridegroom is here. Hey, remember, it was the groom that was supposed to provide the wine. He's saying, you don't have to wait for the groom anymore. The bridegroom has arrived. Jesus is the bridegroom who provides an abundance of wine, an abundance of grace and joy. But that blessing would come after the appointed hour through his death and resurrection because only through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ can sinners truly be purified in God's eyes. Through the work that he'll accomplish on the cross, he will accomplish what no purification ritual can accomplish. He will actually cleanse sinners of their sins so that sinners can be made righteous before God. Thirdly, now Jesus manifested his glory. Now it says in verse 9, when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. The, the master of the feast was kind of like the head waiter in charge of catering. And he is surprised that the best wine was served last. And even through this, Jesus is showing that the new order of purification that he brings is far superior to the old. Verse 11, this, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Again, John says this was a sign. This is the first of his signs. This was a sign 
not just a demonstration of power for the sake of showing his power, but it was a sign to point to a deeper meaning of, of who Jesus is and what he will accomplish through the cross so that we can see his glory and believe in him. I think it's worth mentioning here that while there were many people here at this wedding, we're told that it was the disciples who believed in him. So think about it. The disciples saw the sign, right? Like basically other people saw the sign too. Disciples saw the sign and they saw his glory because they saw the sign through faith. They believed in him. The servants, right? The servants on the other hand, who were really close to the action, they were the ones that actually like were involved in this miracle. They only saw the sign and they missed his glory. The point is, we have to see Jesus by faith. By faith, the disciples saw the glory behind the sign. And that's so true of us, even in this moment, right? The bridegroom is here. He's revealing his glory through his word. He's showing himself to us through his word. But it takes faith to actually see his glory. Maybe we can kind of illustrate in this way. Let me ask you to do this. Okay, so I'm going to do an interactive illustration again. I'm not going to throw any tennis balls at you, but I'll try this. I'm going to ask you, raise your hand as high as you can right now. Come on, we're looking for some audience participation here. Okay, now. Raise it a little higher. Okay. That's good. You can put your hand out. I said, raise your hand as high as you can. Like this. Now, raise your hand a little higher. And all of you, pretty much all of you, actually went up a little higher. Right? Why is that? Why is that possible? Raise your hand as high as you can. Davina was like this. But most of you are like this. A little higher. And you can actually go a little higher. As high as you can. A little higher. Okay. And it's kind of reflective of kind of what human nature is like, right? In the sense that we don't always give our best. We can probably do a little bit more. And, and that could apply to a lot of different things. I think faith is kind of like that too. Okay. If I said, listen to God's word. Okay. Kind of like, okay. Now listen a little harder. Oh, Okay. Believe that Jesus loves you. And you're like, John 3, 16. Okay. Now really believe that Jesus loves you. Okay. And then, I don't know, somehow your heart like buckles down a little bit more. Wow. Okay. It's true. He really does love me. Okay. Um, I think faith is kind of like that. Believe in Jesus so that we can see his glory. Think about it in this way. This is another way that we can see this. Jesus' mother brings a situation to Jesus. She says, they're out of wine. Okay? That's kind of like faith in Jesus, right? She comes to Jesus. That's 
That's believing in Jesus. Jesus, they're out of wine. Jesus says, what does that have to do with me? And then she demonstrates a little more faith by saying, do whatever he tells you. And that's when Jesus does the miracle and shows his glory. I think that's the value of faith to seeing the glory of Jesus in our lives. And, and, and we can say, like, this is this is reason why we need to pray, right? because that's a demonstration of faith. Believe that Jesus is true. His word is true. Pray. Because just like this, it kind of took the second account, right, for Jesus to demonstrate his glory because not every situation is set in stone. Maybe Jesus would have waited for another time to turn water into wine if Mary didn't demonstrate this, this faith. Um, we can kind of, I was kind of thinking of it in this way. Maybe, maybe God was initially going to make you 5'9". This doesn't apply to like Jim, Pastor Aiden, but it's just maybe God was initially going to make you five nine. But then you like you pray. You pray for three more inches. God. Three more inches. So he honors that faith. And maybe God makes you six six feet tall. Okay. Now think about it. Is my height something like my height, is that something that's set in stone, like preordained in the foreknowledge of God? I don't think so. Because if those kinds of prayers cannot be answered, then why do we pray? Only thing is, like this, on a side note, when you pray, in those kind of situations, like you got to be careful what you ask for, right? So for example, it's possible that at 5'9", you might just be like more of a humble person because you're like just very average. But then like at at six, maybe for whatever reason, there's like more temptation for you to be proud. So you just got to be careful of what you ask for. But situations like that reveals to us that there's so much value in, in faith, prayer by faith, believing in Jesus, and then believing in Jesus a little bit more. The groom is here. He came to get this wedding party started. He got rid of the old way of purification, brought in a new way through his death and resurrection. He provides an abundance of good wine, and we can experience his grace and joy. And John wants us to see this, and he says, believe in him. But the truth of the matter is, in my life, I often don't reflect that. We often try to experience glory in this life through other lesser means. And when those means fail us, and then we try to feel better about ourselves by being good before God in some other ways, constantly going back to the old way of purification. And to that pattern, to that practice, John says, Raise your hand just a little bit higher. Believe in his name just a little bit more. Focus in on his word. Focus in on what he's revealing to you.
through his word. Focus on who Jesus is. Buckle down a little bit more on Jesus. Then, by faith, you will see his glory. Let's pray together. I think this is a this is kind of like a, a repeated theme that we're going to see over and over again in John because he already said, like he said it in the beginning of his gospel and he says it at the end of the gospel. I write these things to you so that you may see Jesus, see his glory, believe in his name so that you can have eternal life. And that's what he goes back and back to in many of these different accounts. And he says, even in this account, this is a sign where Jesus is showing himself, showing his glory so that we can see through the eyes of faith and believe in his name. What John is saying to us is that this God of glory that was manifested at this wedding in Cana wants to manifest his glory in our lives today. We're just like all the you know, the people that have come before, chasing after different ways to see glory in this world, constantly in pursuit of glory. But um, we need to spiritually focus in on Jesus by faith. And he will reveal his glory to our hearts. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us. Strengthen our hearts as we choose to believe in Jesus by faith. Show yourself to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.